All right, you're now tuned in to the follow through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 198. It is 2 1. Phoenix has the lead in Milwaukee, but Giannis is on a mission. What the hell happened with USA basketball? And Drew has his final take on NCAA players getting paid. You're not going to want to miss this. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew. Kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 198. We are recording on July 12th, day after uh, game three of the NBA Finals. I got to say something, Drew. Hmm. When the reigning MVP and two-time defensive player of the year walks into game three, being down 0-2 in his own house, and he's got on... The black AF1s, you know it is going to be a long, long night for the opposition, and that's exactly what Giannis did last night is he brought the pain. Now, I've waited all season, all season, Drew, for the Milwaukee Bucks to play a game just like this. This is what I've been waiting for all season. It's like they flipped this switch. They must have listened to our podcast or everybody else's podcast, and they actually looked like an elite basketball team last night. The ISO ball was gone. The pick and rolls were working. Giannis isn't holding the rock for more than, you know, three seconds, two dribbles. He only shot two three-pointers last night and completely dominated the Phoenix Suns, who've been on a complete tear. Now, it could be Phoenix is tired, which they should be. I'm sure Milwaukee is tired, too. That's always an excuse. It could be, you know, DeAndre Ayton got in foul trouble. But if you're Giannis, you should be getting him in foul trouble, you know, often. Devin Booker had an off night and was benched in the fourth quarter, which I want to talk about a little, you know, a little further into the show. But you get what I'm saying, where this is the Milwaukee Bucks, where it's like, yo, they they look like a championship team now. Well, I just, I mean, I have to commend Giannis, right? Like it, on the last podcast, we were uncertain if he was going to play in game one, uh, in game two. And the man has just been toughing it out. I mean, it does. It, it, it seems a little bit like there's some comparisons to like how Embiid moved through these playoffs after his injury, where it's like, man, should he be playing on this? Like, is this okay? And Embiid just, you know, tried to do his best. And it, of course, it didn't work out for them. But Giannis being out there and looking fantastic i mean I, game one right it was like damn all right he's he's still really hurt right <laughs> you could see it he was testing things he was unsure about things uh and that was clearly how it, it, it rolled for that game one where it wasn't really ever that close uh phoenix was in complete control and booker and cp were great in that first game and then game two was mikhail bridges game i mean mikhail bridges just dominated middleton which is that was a, a if you're a Bucks fan, that's got to be one of the worst feelings. And watching that, you're going, shit. <laughs> They're like third or fourth best player is handling our second best player on both ends of the court. Uh, and then, but Giannis, uh, back to back to Giannis, in game two and game three, putting up 40 and 10 plus, uh, doing everything that he can possibly do to have this Bucks team be competitive in the series and, and potentially win. Uh, I don't think enough can be said about what he's doing out there. And, and honestly, dude, in game three, it was, there was one moment that scared the shit out of me. I'm sure it scared the shit out of every oh, he, as well. When the dude fell, when they, when Giannis Middleton, almost fell on, Middleton. on the break passes to Giannis and like millimeters away 
from Giannis blowing up everything. And and he just randomly skips his foot, just touches Middleton's leg, and he was able to like kind of avoid injury. But that moment right there was like, oh shit! And I I, I feel like moving forward, any moments like those, and we saw it in the first quarter of Game Three too, where like he had like a weird landing off of a rebound, I think it was, and he went out and, the game. Yeah, he went out, had to like walk around. I do think it's going to be like one of those things for the entire series, where if that injury gets tweaked again. I mean, the series is done, right? If he if he can't play, we can see even when he plays at like 70% or whatever, the Suns are like, cool, like this is good. We got this. But when he's out there bossing around like he was in game three, and, and honestly in game two, he 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 really enforced his will. They're they're a completely different team. And this is for for all the stuff that we've talked about, uh, and and Giannis dominating the possession of the ball and uh, you know, kind of dribbling the air out of the ball at times. This series is probably the series that the Bucks need him to do that the most. Now, I agree with you. He doesn't think so. like he doesn't need to take 20 seconds every time to get in his stuff. But you can see he is everything for the for the offense, and the Suns have nothing for him defensively, especially when Aiton gets into foul trouble. Uh, so you already alluded to that. That was the that was the key for me in this game. Was Giannis was attacking Aiton and finally getting in, him into foul trouble. And so this is the blueprint of success for the Bucks. If they can replicate what happened in this game uh, by having Giannis be aggressive, having Drew Holiday finally make some shots, man, uh, you know, and, and Middleton wasn't – neither Drew or Middleton were amazing. But they uh, that, were, th- that, third, that third quarter from Drew was amazing. That, right. that sent them uh, ahead of the whole pack in that game. Yeah, and, and, and you can tell – how much better they are when they're hitting their shots. Like when they're making the shots that we expect them to make holiday and, and Middleton. All right. Then you can see it. You can see that there's a path there for them to actually win this championship. Uh, but, you know, I do think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Booker, like you said, had a, had a, just a terrible night shooting. He'd be like, what did he miss? Like his first six or seven shots. And it wasn't, you know, because I don't think it was because of PJ's, incredible defense or the incredible defense on him being played. I just think he was missing shots that he has been normally hitting throughout these playoffs. Uh, but look, you know, game four in Milwaukee, that crowd is awesome. I think that's the fun part for me is watching both of these fan bases just try to give their team points through yelling and energy. There's 25,000 people outside, Drew. There's more people right. outside than there is inside. It looks like a freaking a, a World Cup soccer game, um, which is amazing. There's no way I don't think we can get 25,000 Clipper fans outside to watch a game. But set it up in Milwaukee, and it is, it's crazy. It's so great to have fans back. Yeah. Yeah, that part has been fantastic. Um, and, I, I, you know, moving into game four, uh, if if the Bucks are going to play like they did in Game Three, it's going to be a very tough, hard, hard fought Game Four. And I think that's that's been nice too about this series is is the intensity level is where where we want it to be, right? From both sides, both teams are playing really hard basketball, defending very very hard, and I think we're seeing some pretty good basketball. Now the other side for the for the Suns. Campaign is not the same guy, right? He went down with that ankle injury in in the Clippers series, and since then has just been completely back to like reverted back to where he was before this. I don't think it's because of the ankle, though, Drew. He looks froggy and fast, and I don't think it's the ankle. It might be the moment. He doesn't look a yeah, step slower. I'm, I'm not saying that he's still hurt. Mm-hmm. I'm simply saying that since that happened, mm-hmm. right? Because the game before he dropped like 30 points with 29 points. 
in game two against the Clippers. And then since then, he has not been able to, you know, find that same comfortability uh, and the same, you know, level of scoring and playmaking that he was able to, to, to capture in these playoffs, you know, before that. Uh, and, but they have had Cam Johnson step up. I mean, that was, that dunk on PJ was, was I, it's arguably the dunk of the, of the playoffs. For ah, me. I still think it could have been a charge drew. I'm not hating at all either. Look, PJ was way too late to get there no matter what. And he it was, was all moving. He was still moving to the side. I think that's it was, that's, it was Connaughton's fault trying to press the ball too. And then as soon as the ball got passed, past mid court, you could see Connaughton's face. Like, damn, I, d- I done fucked up right I mean, now. That lane was and, so open. That was, P- it was wide open. And you can kind of see, I think Portis was in the game too. They're like, all right, which one of us is going to take this? Which, one is it which one of us gonna step up and pj's like man i'm always the guy all right i'll get up there it could have gone either way but in the moment yes that is probably the dunk on the playoffs that's close to i mean Kawhi's was pretty nasty uh terrence man Kawhi's was was up there too Kawhi had two of them for being in the finals right like in the in the moment and and that ken johnson in that third quarter had like a heater brought him brought him all the way back to four points and it was like, man, all right, here we go. Like now, now we might have a game, and then the, the Bucks pulled away after that. But that that dunk was fantastic. In the next, in the coming years for the Suns, I really see. I kept saying to myself how impressed I am with Cam Johnson. Right? Like, what else do you want? You want a guy that's that's willing to take the big shots, that's big, that will take it to the rack. He looked really nice. He's going to be a really good pro, and they're going to have to pay this guy uh, moving forward. You know, I, I want to talk since we're on Phoenix. DeAndre Ayton, right? We, 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 there's not much more we can say about this guy. Like offensively, we were, we were a little suspect about how he was going to be defensively going into the playoffs, but offensively drew, he's just money back to the basket. He can hit the mid range jumper reminded. I kept saying to myself last night, uh, he kept reminding me of Patrick Ewing because Patrick could do all the same stuff that he does. And then they always mic him up every game. He seems extremely engaged, you know, willing to take, um, you know, whatever Monty tells him to do, but he's been really impressive. But with him off of the floor and you're getting Kaminsky in now, not that Sarich is any better, but Kaminsky didn't even want to take a shot. Every time he touched the rock, he didn't want anything to do with that shit. Um, so getting him into foul trouble, and I think Lopez and Giannis can both do that, but also going in with that, you know, Scott Foster refing the game, Chris Paul's been 0-11 against now 0-12 when Steve Foster or, or, uh, refs these games. Uh, do you think that had anything to do with it or no? Because I don't believe that either. No, no, I don't think so. I mean, there there is something there, right? Like when Chris Paul just doesn't win when this one ref is refing the game. I mean, that's pretty crazy. So it's hard to ignore that. Scott but Foster, this, by the way, I said Steve, Scott. Yeah, in this game in particular – I don't, I thought the refs were, were good. I think the refs have been good, you know, throughout, throughout the playoffs. I've said it already. I think in this, in this finals, they've been doing fine. I think they're letting some physicality go. And I think they're calling the the plays that are fouls correctly. I haven't, uh, there's not been too many, you know, moments where I'm like, that was a completely wrong call. Uh, so I, I, I don't think necessarily that, that it came down to that, but it is weird. And we'll see if Chris can get over the, the like the final hump of like this referee <laughs> being the guy that's on the court and some something, something else that he has to overcome. But Aiton being in foul trouble obviously highlights missing Sarge and having Kaminsky. But for me, it, it really like puts a magnifying glass on their draft pick. Like, wh- why did you draft Jalen Smith if he's not going to play at all? Like in a moment where it's like we need a we need another center to step up here. And he's not even touching the court like that. That to me is, I mean, 
right? James Jones wins GM of the year, you know, executive of the year. And yet that draft pick is something that he assumingly was the one that pushed the trigger for. And it's like, okay, that that's a complete whiff then, I guess. No, what if he's just not ready? It's the finals. It's the finals for a rookie. Kaminsky has, you know, more time on the court. Maybe this just, maybe Monty's one of those coaches that's like, you know what? You're a rook. You're not playing in these moments. It could be. That's it's possible, but I think in in this moment in particular, why 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 wouldn't you give him five minutes? Right, give him five minutes. Like, <laughs> foul, go foul Giannis for five minutes. Like, go, you know, I don't know, fucking set some crazy screens, get some damn rebounds, try and block some shots. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't at least try it. And and who knows, maybe maybe they will try it. But uh, and obviously, I'm not trying to say that Jalen Smith deserves to be on the floor, right? Because we haven't seen anything of him to to suggest that he deserves to be out there. But at the same time, when you're looking around and you and you accurately describe the way that Kaminsky played, other than that one, he got like one pick and roll where CP found him wide open and he oh. almost missed the dunk. I, I just don't know why you wouldn't at least try it. I mean, look, if he can set a screen for Chris Paul and roll to the rim and do what Kaminsky did, and we assume that he can do that because he was the 10th overall fucking pick, then why wouldn't you at least give him a shot? Literally, that's all you have to do when you play with Chris Paul and you're a big. Just set a screen and roll. And we saw that. Again, I'm going back to the Milwaukee Bucks, but you know, Giannis is setting the screen either, uh, for Drew or for Middleton, who's ever got the rock. Even Connaughton got a couple from him too. Rolling to the basket, getting easy hoops. There was a couple offensive rebounds that Giannis just worked outworked everybody for to get. Um, but you know, we posted a meme on our page about the Middleton, like the cycle of Middleton, right? Underrated to he looks like MJ to overrated to Chris Middleton, right? And it's like when this guy has a really good game, he has a really great game. He has moments where he looks like, wow, that's why he's an all-star, right? And I kind of say the same thing about Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder's never been an all-star, but yo, if Jay Crowder doesn't have six threes last night, they're getting their ass waxed by 30 plus. And Jay has had a couple games where he has he's a zero. He's a donut. So it's a standard standard for Jay. He goes up and down. It's similar right. to green. It's similar. Like where it's like feast or famine. If, if he's hitting, then he's hitting. If he's missing, it was like, whoa, baby. Like right. none of those are going in. I agree. So when, when Crowder's hitting those shots, look, Phoenix has a really good team, man. A really great team. Um, I think Phoenix should win the series. I still think so. Yep. Uh, now I'm leaning towards, wow, I really want this to go seven. I know you don't, Drew, because you got to go to Hawaii. You don't want to do a pod uh, next week in Hawaii, which I completely understand. Uh, but then you just see the passion that Giannis plays with, and you're like, man, I, this guy, even, even re-signing with Milwaukee, seeing the fans, how much they – I was just – he was at the free throw line last night, and I was just looking behind him in the crowd, and I'm seeing old white dudes with freak shirts and just everybody rocking his jersey. And then – to another guy who I have said I love a lot is Bobby Portis. And you're seeing the fans react to Bobby Portis, right? Like, even though he had 11, 11 points last night, those 11 were huge. And getting the, he, he reminds me a lot of Trez, right? Just the energy coming off the bench. He's not that off. I mean, I think Trez is more offensively gifted and whatnot. I think they both have the same engine and the same workhorse, but you need those kind of dudes on your team. And he took less money to play with the Bucks in, in this role. Um, so, I think when all those players, if Middleton's giving you 15, 18, 20, and Drew's giving you 15, 18, 20, if you can get 10 or 8 from Connaughton and Portis is giving you 11, and I don't necessarily think Giannis has to get 40 every single night, but that's kind of like the blueprint for in order for Milwaukee to win is him having to do that. It's weird how a week and a half ago we're like, shit, he might be done for next season too. And now he's out here playing. 
He doesn't look like he's laboring as much as Embiid was looking, settling for the jump shots and all, even though obviously Embiid has a better jumper than that. But I, I was just really impressed. Like we're, normally we're talking about Phoenix and how well they move the basketball. And that's why they're extremely successful finding the open man. And last night we got to see that with Milwaukee and hopefully moving forward in the next in game four, they could try to do the same thing. I don't know what the adjustment would be for Monty because you can't really adjust to it's foul trouble. It's just Aiden foul trouble. That's it, what that it is. Adjustment is telling Aiden to, to pick his spots and try to, and try to, affect the game without fouling in the first half didn't he already he leave him in with three though and that was an issue yeah, well, he trusts him i mean and he's right. a, 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 over the playoffs aiden has had these times where it's like he's got two early and then he leaves him out there and he, he does his job and he rebounds and and you know tries to defend without fouling and i think that level of trust has certainly grown over the level or over the course of this year because in the beginning of the season aiden was getting in foul trouble a lot and i'm talking about the first month to two months of the season he was getting two fouls every first quarter um, and then it got significantly better throughout the rest of the season to where now the whole team, I think, trusts him. And then they also know that they need him out there, even if he's got two fouls early. But I think you're right. The, uh, there's no real adjustment from Phoenix because I think the way that they played was was pretty s- standard for them. They just were missing shots that normally fall. And that that's Booker, CP, all, all, all the way around the, the court, other than like Cam Johnson. Everyone was kind of just prouder. And Jay, and Jay, exactly. Everyone was just kind of missing shots, especially Booker was missing shots that you think normally those are going in. Uh, but back to your Middleton point, it, it brought something up for me. Like, you remember in the in the uh, conference finals against the Hawks where Kendrick Perkins was, like, applauding Chris Batman. Middleton and, ta- yeah, calling him Batman. It's like, dude, where's Perkins now? Because Giannis is clearly the fucking Batman on this team, Right. And, and Middleton is barely able to help and at times is, is hurting them, uh, especially in those first two games uh, where he was – game two was just really bad. He's, he's been good over the series, but it's, it's obvious that he is not the best player on this Bucks team. And I just, I just wanted to see – have you heard anything from Perk regarding the Batman comment? I think his comment last night was Robin got a three-piece Mediterranean nugget with a side – it was like some side of Greek food or whatever the fuck it was, dude. It made absolutely – I'm so tired of that shit. I actually find it – I would find it offensive, too, if I'm Giannis. Like, why can't I just eat chicken wings? Why does it have to be Mediterranean Greek food? Like, chill, you know? Yeah, right. Why has it got to be a falafel? Um <laughs> Uh, but that that to me it, it really it's it's very obvious especially now in this series how how important Giannis is of course but also the disparage like the 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 difference between how good Giannis is and how good Middleton is but that cycle that you posted about Middleton is so accurate I I it, it is the weirdest thing where he just has a shit game and then everyone's like man he's not very good then he plays you know, I'm assuming maybe now it'll be game four or game five where he just has, you know, a 40 piece or 35 piece. And then it goes back to this. Oh, wow. He's actually an amazing player. He's an all star. And then he has another shit game. Then, like, just- how is he in the NBA? How is this guy right. even in the NBA? He should have stayed in the G League. I hate I hate the media. I hate the casual casual NBA fans. They're the worst. Hey, but but- hey, so the, the outside of that, I think something that's been interesting for me is. If you remember back to the offseason when the Bucks made that crazy move with all those draft picks to get Drew Holiday. And I, I'm, I'm patting myself on the back a little bit because I was very vocal about the fact that the Bucks could have given up less and gotten Chris Paul. And to me, 
had they made that decision and brought Chris Paul onto their team, I think, I think they're uh, significantly better. I think Chris is a better player than Drew, even at this age and this stage of his career. Um, but it is something that I wanted your thoughts on. Do you think if, if Milwaukee had to do this all over again, even though they still are in the finals and they have a chance to win with Drew, do you think that they would make that decision again and not try and bring Chris Paul in if you if you, you had a chance to do it over? I mean, if hindsight's 20, it's a great question. If hindsight's 2020, 20, you consider it. But I think, again, you consider 36 years old. Giannis is 25. Like, we're trying to build a future here. We brought, you know, defensively, Drew is phenomenal. And, like, he's kind of one of those guys, too, where he has – extreme off nights there are nights where he doesn't even, he's not even on the floor game one game, game one example of that right so looking back like yeah it's it'd be easy to say you put chris paul on this team and that they're they're in a better position but i like drew holiday and i think that's a strictly business decision um to pay him the money because drew's still worth the money you know he's he is worth that money and i think we didn't really know what chris paul we were getting and like coming into this season. Yeah. He, he's coming off a good one, but then in the back of your head, you're always thinking, but he is 36. This has to, this ha it's kind of the same shit that we're doing with Braun. And like, this has to break down at some point. And that's completely wrong. Cause Chris Paul is doing Chris Paul things. Like he's 25. And it's just, again, I say this so many times, like, do, do people just not watch the game footage? Like he's still getting elbow jumpers all day long and it seems like Booker's getting those same looks well what do you think Drew do you you still would make that trade for Chris Paul instead of Drew I just think it's pretty obvious to me that if you just swap those two guys and you put Drew Holiday on the Suns and you put Chris Paul on on the Bucks, the Suns are not in the finals and the Bucks are still probably in the finals okay uh, and I think that's obviously it's a it's it, it can seem like an obvious statement to people but in the moment to me it was like you would have been able to give up less and keep more and, and gained more by having CP. But of course, yes, the age. And I do think Giannis probably had some kind of information uh, and, and, and was leaning one way or the other, assuming that both options were presented to him. Uh, and of course, you know, Drew, Drew being slightly younger, of course, is good. But he clearly just doesn't do what Chris does. And that's, that was the big thing for me when they got him. It was like, yes, Drew's a great guard. He is a very good, versatile guard, a very good defender, but he is not an offensive point guard in the same sense of Chris Paul or some of these other point guards that we have. He's not the out and out, like I'm the floor general, let's set shit up. He can get buckets, he can get to the rack. Uh, whether or not he finishes, I think is another thing. As we've seen, sometimes his finishing can be a little wayward um, and he's still an amazing player. And I, I think the Bucks did very well to get him and to keep him and have him on the extension. But I do think that could have been an error. And look, it's just a random thing that I thought of because I, when it went down, I, those two guys were the, two of the biggest signings for any any team this year. And I just think the Bucks probably could have locked up this championship if they had Chris. Okay, so you also have to take into consideration two things. One, I think Milwaukee was still making the play for Bogey, right? They were in the mix that that was in the back of their head. Like we got to spend money on Bogey. They had Bogey if the front office didn't fuck it up, uh, which would have changed the whole dynamics of what we're going through right now. It was Sacramento's fault, also. That oh yeah, come on, Sacramento blew that. I mean that hor horrifically blew that. <laughs> Getting nothing for this man is just un unbelievable. Yeah. But then the other thing you have to take into consideration is. Chris is the alpha male, right? And Giannis is the alpha male. Like, whose fucking team is this? And I don't think Giannis 
being that he's just got his 250 million. This is my team. My city isn't going to let, we saw what happened with James Harden. We saw what happened with Blake and DJ. We saw like, it could have been, I'm sure the bucks weren't the only team looking at it. Like maybe Chris isn't the right person to bring into this particular right. situation, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, a lot of things considered would, would Chris Paul be great on the bucks? Yes, he would. Will Chris, <laughs> I think the ultimate question to ask right now is Chris Paul, whether they win the championship or not, is Chris Paul going to be on the Phoenix Suns next year? Oh, he has, he has to be. If, if they no, win, what if they lose? There's no excuses. He has to be on the Suns next year, regardless um, of what happens. There's no, no doubt in my mind. I mean, having DeAndre Ayton continually, continually praise Chris Paul um, and clearly, you know, Chris and Devin have a good relationship. Uh, I mean, from from everything that we've seen, I don't know behind closed doors, but you assume that's all good. Uh, I don't there's no way that Sarver, the owner of the Suns, can get away with letting Chris Paul leave this offseason. There's yeah, no but chance. Then, but then do you overpay? You know what I mean? Like when yes. you got. OK, Yeah, you do. I think you do. I think. But 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 it can be a, a smart overpay. Right. Because he has a player option for like 50 fucking million dollars <laughs> like that that he's going to turn down. And I think what you can do is instead of paying him that for this one year and then like seeing what happens in testing free agency, which is an option. I think the smarter move is put a three year deal in front of him for, you know, whatever, 80 mil or 75 or something like that. So he gets more money, uh, you know, over the long term and you get to keep him there and you get to run this back. Uh, for at least another couple seasons, uh, because dude, look, man, if if then he's forty, Drew, like you're looking at forty. Yep. Oh, I don't know, man. Because because I I'm, I'm t this is this is the major point that I wanted to make is because without Chris Paul, what's keeping Devin Booker there? In my opinion, very little. If if they let Chris Paul go, that's that's showing Devin and Aiden. I, I don't know how serious we are about winning here, because. If you're going to let Chris Paul go, who the fuck do you think is going to come back and be the point guard for that Phoenix Suns team that's going to do anything near what Chris Paul has done? I mean, but he's a dying breed as it is. There's very few players, period, that does that do what he does anymore. And I just don't see, like, who who would be the option to bring them in? Are you going to go with Kyle Lowry, who's the same exact age as Chris Lonzo? Paul? Like, Lonzo? Right, Lonzo Ball? <laughs> okay, no but... Way. I, 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 you know, I agree with you. I love Chris Paul. I completely like agree with you, but thinking it from a front office standpoint, you're like, shit, 40, this guy's got to break down at some point, even though he looks phenomenal. And then what I'll say is 37 and 38 year old Chris Paul is worth paying 40 year old Chris Paul. Okay. But that, that money shot to do this again is worth having an extra year on the back end that, that maybe he doesn't produce as well. All right. I, I'm looking at it too. Like they have to pay DeAndre. They have to extend DeAndre here in a minute. So that Chris Paul money is going to cut in. We're seeing that Cam Johnson's a guy that we're going to have to, I mean, Booker already got his bread, right? Yep. And, and Cam Johnson's going to probably, you know, want his worth. And I think a lot of teams will look at Cam and be like, yeah, I, I'd, I'd love a 6'10 fucking swing guy that can shoot, you know? Um, so yeah, I agree. Like, would you overpay for Chris Paul? I, I mean, Chris, if he has 50 coming though, that's so much money. Oh, that's so much money. But he's got the Cliff. He's got the Cliff Paul money coming too. Yeah, State so, Farm is paying him well, right? And put it this way: if Chris, if they win the championship, yes, pay this guy whatever the hell he wants because it's it's going to be a hard a hard season next year too if everybody's healthy. So Chris, Chris has the player option just to clarify for for next season at forty four point two million dollars for next year, hmm. right? And so this also is a decision, obviously, that Chris is going to have to 
make, right? Because if he just wants that cash and then he wants to ride off into the sunset, uh, which I don't see happening, I think he wants to keep playing. But who knows? Maybe, maybe after this next year, he, he might just say, "I'm done. I'm 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 moving on to front office stuff for the NBA. I'm going to go be the, the player union guy um, full time." But if they don't at least offer him something to extend that money, they're going to be already you know, paying him this 44 million, why not stretch that out for another two to three years and, and just see what he has left in the tank and see, see, let's watch the wheels fall off because right now those wheels are on they're right. and they're moving, they're moving easily. You're right. But if the caps 119 next year, right. And Booker's got 35 of it and Chris has got 40 of it, then you're like, shit. And then you gotta, you gotta extend DeAndre next season. Correct. Yes, and, and he'd probably be an all-star, maybe on all-defensive team, maybe or maybe not defensive team, but he might make an all-NBA team at some point. He's due for that at some point. So, I don't know. That's a lot to think about. I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. What do you think uh, going into Game Four? I know I know what you want to happen, but what do you think is going to happen Game Four in Milwaukee, coming off that kind of a win? I expect it to be a much closer game uh, in Game Four. I expect the Bucks to try and replicate what they did in Game Three and attack DeAndre Ayton because they, they can see how much his presence on the floor affects how Phoenix plays. So they know that their window is attacking him early. And I would be, I would be shocked if they don't try and, and involve uh, him in, in pick and roll screens at the top. And then, and then of course, trying to get Giannis the ball going one-on-one. Uh, but I, I expect all of the Suns to shoot a little bit better in this arena after, after experiencing game three. They should get a little bit more comfortable in this in this arena and knocking down more shots. So I, I do think it's going to be a close game, even though we've had, you know, not necessarily a, a tight one yet. I think this one might be the first really tight one where it comes down to the end and it could be kind of in the air. Uh, I, I think, man, I, as much as I want the Suns to win, I think the Bucks have a really good shot at winning this game if they can just reproduce what they did in game three. And, and look, if Aiden is going to get in foul trouble, that's a, that's a huge, huge thing for the Suns. So it, you just have to assume on the Suns' end that they're going to attack Aiton and they're going to have to rely on either going small, which they tried a little bit, which worked, uh, you know, in some ways and then, and then didn't work at all uh, towards the end. You're going to have to have Crowder step up and play bigger. You're going to have to have Kaminsky you know, put in some pretty good minutes. And that's just, that's the bottom line. I mean, they're going to need Kaminsky to to play well in whatever minutes, however many minutes he gets. If it's five minutes, if it's if it's 20 minutes because Aiton's in foul trouble, then then so be it. Uh, but I'm going to call Bucks, man. I don't want it to be that way, but I think I think the Bucks will win game four. But I, I, I think it's going to be close. We also got to see who's going to be refereeing. If I, if I know, I, I'm pretty sure that referees can't ref back-to-back games. Um, during the season or even in the finals. I don't think Scott Foster will be there. There was an inner, I think it was on JJ Reddick's pod where he had CP on and CP was the one that actually made the call to Jay Crowder and was like, Hey, I I would love for you to be on this team. And again, these aren't the guys that you really think about, like trying to recruit for your team. You forget like Jay Crowder has been in the playoffs with so many different teams. He brings something so special uh, to the team defensively and obviously a locker room guy and being able to knock down the three. So I thought that was interesting that like the first person Chris called when he got to Phoenix was like, yo, Jay, come, come play with us. I got us, you know? And the other thing I want to bring up real quick is I understand Booker had a, had a rough game, right? Shooters have bad games. 
Uh, there's been a lot of comparison to Kobe, and I get that with Booker. Uh, one thing that I know Kobe wouldn't do is sit on the bench in the fourth quarter and not want to come into the game in the finals. So I'm not, this isn't me calling out Devin Booker at all. I know this was a Monty Williams thing saying, you know, you're not hitting tonight. It looks like we're down 20, but if I'm Devin Booker, I'm saying, nah, F that dude, I need to be in this game and give us a, a, a fighter's, a fighter's chance of, of at least being in this game and not losing by 25 points. Did you find that a little odd? Cause I found it really odd. Like why isn't he even begging to come into the game? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm assuming that there was a conversation. Uh, that's the only thing I can think of is that Monty must have pulled him aside and just said, look, you've been putting a lot. We put a lot of miles on you this 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 postseason. We're going to take this loss. It seems like we're probably going to lose this game. Let's have you just take a breather and let's come back stronger for game four. And And Booker has had bad games in these playoffs and then has bounced back every single time. So it, I, I expect him uh, part of the reason I think it's going to be a close game is because I expect him to have a much better game in game four. I do. I just think um, I, I agree with you that I do think he has a lot of that mentality. And a part of the reason that people are comparing him to Kobe is because he seems to have that demeanor, that Mamba mentality, if you will. Uh, and I, I do think also, I mean, if you remember back early Kobe, he was definitely on the bench at times in the fourth quarter <laughs> because he was just, you know, shooting bricks and turning the ball over. I mean, young Kobe and Devin Booker still very young. He, he never wanted to come out of the game, but there was moments where he had to <laughs> at times. Uh, so, look, I, I, I think once Kobe reached a certain level where, you know, Phil Jackson just wasn't going to tell him to come sit on the bench. It was Kobe's decision to go sit on the bench. And that was a rare decision that Kobe ever made. I just don't think Booker's there yet. And I think it was. It just was the way that the game was going. It didn't seem like that the Suns were going to gain anything by having Booker play. Plus, his nose seems to be getting hit every other game now. Uh, and look, I it, with a broken Happy birthday, nose, Patrick Beverly, by the way. Happy birthday, <laughs> Pat Bev. Happy 33rd, son. Sorry, continue. <laughs> it, I just think I think it makes sense, uh, you know, in that fourth quarter where you know, if, if it was an eight-point game, 12-point game, something like that, okay, then then we can have a conversation. But it really wasn't that close. Uh, in the third quarter, it got close, and that's when the Bucks really kind of just pushed it off and, and held off the win. So, I'm, I, yeah, I don't really have much to say other than I think it was maybe a wise decision to get him off his feet for a couple minutes. I got Bucks in game four too, man. I got but just, just seeing the way they played yesterday, I hope they – I want Phoenix to win. I do. I know I you do. I know you do. I know you do. But that, yeah. but you but you think the Bucks are going to win. I do. If I had, yeah, like, you know, gun to my head, if I had to pick who's going to win in Milwaukee, I, I'm, it, when Giannis is continuing to drop 40 point p- mm-hmm. games, yes, I think, I think the Bucks are probably going to win this, which is good because my prediction was Suns and Six, which is still a very real possibility. Moving forward, I want to touch on the Olympics really quick. And I made a joke on the last pod about Argentina and having Luis Scola, Scola on the team. And he's legit still on the team. This is his, this is his 22nd Olympic games, bro. I was, I, I didn't, I should have sent you the picture, but it's him and our boy Faku just standing together with the basketball. And I was laughing so hard because I, I legit thought that this wasn't, there's no way he could be playing in this again. I'm pretty sure he's still playing. I think he's playing yeah. like league basketball. I think he plays either in Argentina or somewhere in, in Europe. Do you, I, you you posted something about him this year? I'm pretty sure where he was. It's on. It's on our. He was getting buckets. He was getting buckets. Page. Yes, right. 
And I could I couldn't remember if it was an Ar- Argentinian league or if it was like in Italy somewhere. It's a Euro was, league for sure. You a, think a it's thousand. Euro? Okay. Yeah. So I but I just remember seeing that and being like, son of a bitch, this guy's still out there doing his thing. And all the more reason to keep Chris Paul in Phoenix. Look at Luis Scola. Look at Scola and tell me that Chris Paul can't play until he's 40. You know, a lot of shit has been talked too, though. I mean, our boys took an L to Nigeria, dude. And this is also, it's not the Olympics yet. It's not, it's not. I understand, but this is the third exhibition game we've lost since 1992. <laughs> now you and I both know we, 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 we think we have the best players in the world, right? Yeah. But kind of like the old Chicago bulls and the Lakers of this year, the Clippers of this year targets on your back. Like people want to beat you no matter what. And the Nigerian team, which is literally just full of a be- this uh, Miami Heat bench players. Yeah, it's it's the Miami Heat backup team. It's, that's it's Precious put up numbers. <laughs> Precious put up numbers. The, the the iconic block on KD, who just thought he was going to get an easy dub, easy bucket. Yeah, he went in there super soft, Kevin Durant so, did. That was so soft, right? He thought he was going to get a layup. <laughs> I feel, Drew, I'm saying this, bro. I'm not saying the Nigerian team is better than, better than us, but they were that that day. I'm just saying we need to come and bring it. This isn't 92 anymore. Like where people are going to come out. You, you, you might be seeing Luca and you might be seeing this Argentine team and Kevin love might get his ass worked by Luis Scola. I don't know. Cause Luis has obviously been playing more games than Kevin love has been playing. But is this cause for concern at all for our team? Uh, I think it's a great wake up call. Right. I think this is, this is probably the best thing that could have happened to this team is clearly they thought they were going to coast through this game, and I'm assuming that mentality was going to transfer over into the Olympic Games, where they're like, yeah, we're the shit, we're the best. It's like the, you know, it's like the fucking all-star AAU team showing up at the tournament, and in the first game, they're like, yeah, we, uh, we got we got 17 more games to play. I'm not, we're not going to try that hard in this one. I think this is this is a positive thing for the, for the, um, for the U.S. team. Obviously, it's a very positive thing for the Nigerian team. That should give them a, a shit ton of confidence. Did they? Are they even in the Olympics? Did they qualify for the Olympics? I don't know, bro. I don't wow, know. It's so hard to. Uh, so, but anyway, I'm assuming they did based on the fact that they have half of the Miami Heat team on their squad. Uh, but the, the, I think the the best part about taking this loss is that it doesn't actually count for the Olympics, and the whole coaching staff can go see. This is what happens when you guys just fuck around out there. Like, let's play some basketball. Let's play some defense. Let's score the ball. I mean, 87 points for us in an entire game is uh, that's pretty shitty, right? Bradley Beal and and KD should have that between them in these Absolutely. games. That's what Absolutely. I think. Dame, Dame Lillard, come on. All of the guys should have Zach Levine. I mean, all of the t- pretty Nigeria much. Nigeria had 23s, Drew. 20. Are we playing defense? Right. And so that's, I think that's the thing where this could be a, a like kind of a launching pad moment for the coaching staff, for Popovich, for all these guys to say, okay, we know what happens when we play like we're like we've already won the game. If we come out there thinking that we've already won this game, you're right. It's not 1992. It's not like these guys don't have baskets where they're where they live and they had to go travel to a different country to play basketball. Basketball is opposing and opposing teams want your autograph and they look at you as gods. They they look at you as their peers now, bro. Because Lucas sure isn't looking at you guys as gods, at, minus LeBron. He loves LeBron. We know that. But you you get what I'm saying. They're not that intimidated. Right, right. I think this can be the wake-up call that this team might have needed. Uh, also, I do think, you know, having the season end so quickly, it, it can be like you're just going through the motions, right, during these games. So I, I'm assuming the intensity level is going to pick up when the games actually matter. Uh, but everything that happened in, in the game against Nigeria – 
should be just a, a nice way to say, let's focus a little bit. Let's let's actually run some plays. Let's play some fucking defense because we are the most talented team. And look, all of the guys that are on the U.S. squad are better than all of the guys on Nigeria, just man for man, outside of maybe Kevin Love. Uh, but if you just look at our team, they're all starters. They're all you know close to all-stars, if not already all-stars. This should not be something that happens when we actually play these games in, in Tokyo. Get it together, USA. Drew, my computer is going to die soon, so I need your final thoughts for sure. episode 198. So this is something that's fun because we've been talking about this since I think perhaps our first five episodes. I want to say this. Like that we've ever done? Like four years ago? I'm talking about like, yes, episode one through five. Oh, somewhere in don't there. Don't listen started... to, if you're listening to the show, do not listen to those shows, please. Drew hey, and I were if a you hot laugh, If you want to laugh about two drunk idiots talking hoops, <laughs> go ahead and listen to episodes one through 10. But in one of those episodes, we discussed how NCAA players might actually finally get paid and lo and behold, here we are. We still have a podcast. And the NCAA athletes are finally getting to cash some checks here for the first time in the history of collegiate sports outside of under the table deals, which we know is typically not in the form of a check. Uh, so that's what my, my, my final thoughts is congratulations to NCAA athletes, especially all those super fine uh, women that are in collegiate sports that are just going to make a shit ton of money now. Like, all of them, any any Instagram or any athlete that has an Instagram following of like 10,000 or more is going to be making serious money for themselves. And it's a it's a great breakthrough moment for uh, for collegiate athletes of all sports. And that was the one thing if we if I if I remember correctly, when we were talking about this four years ago, it was like, all right, how, how do we make sure that the football players and the basketball players for these big schools are somewhat equitable in what they're making versus the softball players and the water polo players that don't draw the huge crowds that don't have the huge ticket sales. And this is a great way to do it. The name and image likeness stuff is fantastic. These yeah, guys get your Twitter following up and you can get paid. Totally. And it, I think it, it's, it's already creating new businesses. It was amazing. Like as soon as the deal was good, there's like a thousand companies now that are, you know, helping these players connect and get deals and they're getting uh, sponsorships uh, and they don't have to, I mean, look, the, 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 the actual facts about being a scholarship player, a lot of the times means that you're living on what the school is giving you. And a lot of times those things are not necessarily what we would envision as being like the pampered life of a division one athlete. And when you're on scholarship, you have meal things that are re relegated to you, but you don't really have a lot of pocket change to go, and buy a, a shirt, a new shirt, or some. Or you can't have somebody buy you McDonald's. You or can't buy some that. food, right? Exactly. And so I, this is just this is awesome. Um, I think it's about as good of of some as, as good as of news coming out of the NCAA as there has ever been in my lifetime. Because most of the news surrounding the NCAA is people breaking the rules, the NCAA enforcing restrictions, all this nonsense. Um, and this goes back to the O'Bannon brothers to me, man, when they when they went to the court case and they and they're like, look, you guys are creating fucking video games with our image and likeness. And we're not getting even just a, a piece of that. And so that's a huge thing. It's a huge thing for every athlete, but especially, you know, those athletes uh, in in sports that probably don't have a professional career looking at them. And what I mean by that is like 
maybe there's professional softball leagues, maybe there's professional swimming leagues and running leagues that people can join in. But guess what? Now you don't have to only do that. You can go to school, get your education, make some money, and hopefully, you know, actually start your life on a good foot when you're done with your four years if you don't become a pro. And that's fantastic. You know, I got three things to say about that. Maybe two. But as soon as that was signed over, um, and I, I hate shouting them out, but I'm going to. As soon as that was signed over where athletes can make money, Barstool, like Portnoy, got like an email from a softball player, from a girl that was like, hey, I'm allowed to get free merch now. Can you can you get can I get some free merch? And it just hit Portnoy like, yeah, actually, you know what? Any of you athletes that want Barstool merch, free pizza, whatever, hit us up. So they immediately start Barstool Athletics. They're signing, they're signing hockey players, field hockey, softball, gymnastics, whatever. I love it. Then I also read that Overtime Elite signs this junior in high school who's got a million dollar deal, dog. So and you're some equity. I think you got some. You got a piece in the company as well. A, I think a million dollar deal. So it's like, yo, fuck algebra. Okay, I got a million sitting in the bank now. This could turn on these people at some point, but get your money, dude. Social media influence is such a big deal. If you have 300,000 followers, even if you're, mi even if you're micro at 5,000 or below or 10K and below, you can still get your free merch and free bread and, and all that. I'm, I'm watching my girl Jenna Bandy this weekend, who's one of the top influencers on YouTube and in the basketball space. And, she, you know, she was sent to Vegas for the fight and did some promos for Space Jam with all with with Stefania and like uh, the the twins and like all the guys that create all this content. Like if you're creative and you you can build a following and have a following, the world is yours, man. That is your following. You have a hundred. If you have a hundred thousand uh, active followers, there's a hundred thousand people looking at your product or whatever you're trying to sell or put out there. So, Godspeed. Get your bread. And the other thing for this, too, is like talking about the football and the basketball uh, aspect, which are the two biggest sports for those stars, the people that become stars in those sports that actually have a pro career ahead of them, potentially. This changes things for the NCAA, right? Because, you know, the G League option and overseas option and this overtime elite option was like the NCAA is looking around like, shit, we're, we're like losing this battle, right? Yes, we're offering them an education, but in a lot of these guys' cases, they're not finishing their four-year career, especially in basketball. Uh, but in football, too, the really great ones, they leave after, you know, two, I think it's three years for football. So even those guys probably aren't finishing their degrees. But this makes the NCAA and places like Duke and uh, Kentucky for, for uh, basketball and Alabama and Clemson for football even more of an option. Now, in football, they don't have – the, the outside options. Football, NCAA was was where you, that's what you did. You didn't, nobody was going overseas. No one's going to Canada. Canada, yeah. yeah no nobody's thing. doing that shit. But for basketball, this completely makes those schools much more competitive in recruiting. And you can go, hey, come play with us. Not only will you get all of your games on ESPN, you'll get the most notoriety out of, especially over this overtime elite shit or the G League shit uh, or Australia or overseas, China and, and Europe. You're going to get all this publicity and you're going to be able to make just as much, if not more money, if you already have this following. So like somebody that, that pops into my head immediately is, you know, we have the Sierra Canyon monster basketball team over here in L.A. And Bronny and Amari Bailey and those guys who were probably most likely considering going to the G League. I would imagine it has to be a consideration for these top talented players. And Bronny's probably not on that level of Amari Bailey yet, but Amari Bailey is one of the top recruits in high school basketball, he can actually take a look at all of this now and weigh out his options. Whereas before, 
those those ones those options that we're providing him cash at, at right up front in the beginning he can already go you know what that that maybe that, that that's not as big of a deal as i thought it was and and maybe i do want to go play one year at duke or play one year at kentucky and see if i can win an ncaa championship and see if i can you know produce something with a with a, a system and a head coach that actually is similar a little bit similar to the nba coaching staff and the way that things are going there uh it's huge it's huge for basketball as well I also see their opportunity like with guys like me that enjoy social media and like to like create and build an audience and stuff. I can see that, that these college basketball teams, even high school basketball teams can start hiring social media managers where it's like, yo, I have the best social. If you have 8,000 followers right now, I, I, I guarantee you, you stick with us. We can get you to 50, 60, you know, even if you're bottom of the barrel type dude on the squad, there's opera, even freelancers that can hit these guys up and be like, yo dude, go to a D2, the guy that has 20,000 followers be like, Hey, let me help you run your account. You know, you send me whatever good pictures or whatever, and I'll, I'll, I'll help build your following. Cause the more followers you have, the more money you're going to get. It's simple as that. That's 2021 in a nutshell. Yep. So my final thoughts, Drew, I cannot do a podcast ever without mentioning the Los Angeles Clippers. It's only I thought fair. we were going to do it. I thought nope. we were going to do it. Nope. A you thought it was Clippers. Nope. I wasn't, even though we did say the shout out to Patrick Beverly, <laughs> yeah. but I got a lot of hate on a post I posted yesterday, which still say, stands true today. I just got to say, Paul George still leads the playoffs in minutes played in points in the playoffs. So you guys can all take your polyester P bullshit and say, oh, Clips, it's the dumbest stat I've ever heard. Nah, I'm just leaving it out there so you know what it is, bro. I'm proud of that stat. That means my boy put in the work in the playoffs, bro. I know people think it's irrelevant, but it's relevant to me. And it's so funny, Drew. They always say, why would you even post this, Clips? Because it's it's our goddamn page, and I can post whatever I want. (laughs) And guess what? If you got something negative, deleted, 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 you're just getting deleted so shout out to my boy paul george still leading the nba uh finals in minutes played even though he's not hasn't played in 11 days (laughs) congratulations to paul george for for taking that home that's a big one that's a big one minutes played paul george and points Uh, and points don't forget points man i hey look dude i we've talked a lot about paul george the fact that you guys just the fact that you beat the utah jazz without Kawhi leonard and you really took it to the sun's for, for a little while there, like there, it was, it was closer than a four, two series. I think we obviously know that because game two was crazy. Uh, but his performance, man, I mean, if anyone's still talking shit, it's just old hat. It's old news. He, yeah. I think he, he did enough to, to get off everyone's shit list. And yeah, you can, you can look at game six and be like, Whoa, Paul George, blah, blah, blah. But dude, he was gassed. And that's exactly why, because he played so many goddamn minutes. And there's only reason the Clippers advanced to the Western Conference Finals for the first time in their history because of Paul George and Reggie Jackson. And mostly it was Paul George. So I'm I'm keeping my 198 podcast streak of always mentioning my Clippers alive. (laughs) It will never die, guys. It will never die. Hopefully, Hopefully we can get another podcast in before Drew takes his beach vacation. Drew, make sure you wear sunscreen. You know you burn easily. I do. Um, but take your computer because we might have a lot of shit we got to talk about at the end of this week. All right, yeah, I'll be bringing I'll be bringing the computer. I'm I'm assuming most likely I'm assuming the series is not going to end the way that I want it to at this point. Uh, but even still, you know, podcasting from Maui is is uh, not not the worst thing in the world. Check us out on basketballdudes.com. We'll be back uh, in a couple days. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew, and we are Ghost. You know what it is. You know what it is. You know where you're at. This is the. Follow-